0: Broadcasting from Oshkosh Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona, and perhaps also Wallace the Dog out in Altoona, I hear. Um, (laughs) He might contribute a little bit, but the Green Bay Packers playing in what was dubbed Ice Bowl to maybe not quite uh, as legendary as that game, but about as legendary as we've seen this group of Packers look in a gutty twenty-six to twenty-one win in the divisional playoffs, and they're moving on to Seattle for the NFC Championship game, and Matt, we're in uncharted waters for Green and Gold Forever. This is as far as they've ever gotten uh, since the existence of this show, and wow. I know it's it's only been a few years, but I had almost a mini panic attack on the way home from work realizing that if they beat Seattle, they're actually in the Super Bowl, and it's been a long time since we can say that.
1: I know it's hard to fathom that you're one away, win away at this point. It seems so much further away than that, and I, I guess I assume it's because of the opponent. It seems like you <laughs> yeah. got to win another couple here to get there, but it it seems like a long shot. But that's insane. I mean, you're in the Super Bowl if you win this, so it's uh, it's it's really really close. It's w- within their grasp. So you never know.
0: Yeah, and and we'll get into all that. Uh, but as I was saying uh, yesterday after the game, Dallas has. A 0% chance of beating Seattle this week The Packers at least have some chance Of beating Seattle this week Because they actually get to play them Um, I will share some uh, Throughout the show some thoughts that I had Actually being at the game uh, Caleb Pike who you've heard us reference uh, multiple times on the show is a great fan Also uh, a great friend of, uh, he's, he's married to our cousin so he's uh, part of the family but also uh, a good friend of ours And he came through big time as a friend allowed me to come along uh, Free of charge to the game yesterday with him he got some tickets through work and uh, Our cousin Sam his wife did not want to go so he asked me and uh, uh, Thanks again Caleb on the air I thanked you yesterday but it still was pretty awesome and uh, Wow, that was quite a game to be at. I will say this before we break down the game: Dallas's claim to being America's team is no longer going to be disputed by me because I would guess there was 20 to 25 percent of the crowd cheering for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday.
1: Yeah, it was kind of shocking. You could definitely tell on TV too after um, you know certain things happen. And you're like, is that? cheering for Dallas? You just never hear that in Lambeau, especially when you're watching on TV. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're at the stadium, yeah, you'll see a good amount of fans for the other teams. That's always the case, but I think yesterday more than I've ever heard, at least on the broadcast, it seemed like they were really out in full force, and I think like when Kuhn dropped a pass or something early that the Coon chant started, I was like, why would the Packer fans be doing that? (laughs) But then I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's the Cowboys, and yeah, they were loud, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I've been to Bear games, and I was at the game the last week of 2010 when the Bears had clinched the division. It's about as high as the Bears fans have been in our time as fans, and they didn't take over the stadium like that. So they could have been saving their money for playoff tickets, mind you. But, yeah, I was quite shocked to see Dallas there. I had always thought their claim to America's team um which who the heck really cares who america's team is but you'd hear you'd heard that for years and i always kind of thought it was a little bit of a media um manufactured thing and no they their fans came out in full force and actually from the ones i talked to they were all in really good spirits and uh, they all seemed very nice and maybe it's different in the playoff games and uh, people don't want to ruffle any feathers but all the cowboys fans they they would high-five each other but they didn't seem to be uh uh, they, they, they were very gracious, uh, losers, and they, when they were winning, they were also gracious winners as well. So, from the Cowboys fans I met, they were all, uh, all pretty cool. Good, good to hear. But let's talk about the game. Um, I don't know where you want to start with this one. I know where the national media is starting, so maybe we should just talk about that real quick. The Des Bryant non-catch along the sidelines, uh, unbelievable catch to start with. Uh, mm-hmm. An amazingly athletic play. But, uh, I guess, did they get it right?
1: I guess I think so. I'm still not 100% sure. I think by the letter of the rule, yeah, they probably did. And, I, the more I watch it, I, I just, I still feel like there just wasn't enough where he was really moving or lunging and, mm-hmm. and I think that it was the right call. Cause it, it really looked, it almost was less severe of a of kind of, of a strange call than that Calvin Johnson won a few years ago, I think even. Mm-hmm. Whereas he was like getting up off the ground where, Des Bryant was still falling. I know he was kind of twisting and lunging a little bit, but he was still falling. It, it seemed like all in the act to me. I guess had it gone against the Packers receiver in that spot, I would be just absolutely furious. Furious, but I uh I think it's the right call, but I'm not 100% sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm about as close as you can reasonably be to that that given the rule, that's not a catch. Yeah. They have called that exact play not a catch every time. For five years now. And um, Tony Dungy actually was talking about that yesterday. He said 99% of the country would see that and common sense would say it's a catch. But the referees have ruled that not a catch consistently for years. And I think I'm not buying the argument that he was reaching for the goal line. That wasn't a reach. That was a plop. He, he hit the ground, the ball popped out, he was juggling with it, it came back up in the air I don't know if Sam Shields kind of forced him to do that, and he said he took three steps He did not, it was all part of the jump
1: And he was sort of bobbling in at first, too, when he first initially grabbed it
0: Yeah, absolutely I think this is a horrible horrible rule but I think they called it correctly. It was a horrible rule when it happened to Calvin Johnson and it cost the Packers the 2010 NFC North Division title and it was a horrible rule when it cost the Cowboys a chance to beat the Packers and eventually sent the Packers to the 2014 NFC Championship game. So I sympathize with the Cowboys as you said if it had happened to Jordy Nelson I would have uh, I wouldn't have thought so much of it but I I hope I'm uh in the moment I wouldn't have been but I hope as time went by I'm mature enough as a fan to realize the rule stinks, but the way it was called yesterday is exactly the same way it's been called for years now, and every receiver should know that by now.
1: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I didn't see the ball pop out at first initially with the catch. I think I was so in awe of the catch itself. And when McCarthy challenged it, I was so confused. Mm-hmm. And I was angry because he always stinks at challenges and always gets them wrong. So I was just mad that he had challenged something on the catch, <laughs> like if he had stepped out of bounds or something. But, I mean, a heads-up play by him. It, if you listen to Aaron Rodgers after the game, he gives McCarthy absolutely no credit for challenging that. I don't no, know really. if you heard that. But, no, I didn't. Um but, yeah, that was mean—that a, I mean, a heads-up play by McCarthy, and he threw it so fast. Um, yeah, basically they asked Rodgers um, about what a great uh, decision that was for McCarthy to throw the challenge flag, and and he goes, well, yeah, I'm sure he had a lot of guys on the sidelines telling him to throw the flag, and it, as soon as I could see it, it was pretty obvious, too. So.
0: <laughs> I got, their relationship yeah, it's is strange. a mystery to me. Yeah, it's very strange. In the stadium, they were showing it instantly, and when the, he went up for the catch, it was so contested. I was hoping that something had happened. And then I saw him kind of bobble with it on the ground, and I'm like, well. And then they said he was down at the one, and I'm like, well, what's going on? The way I saw it kind of pop in the air and catch it, I'm like, well, maybe it's a touchdown then. I wasn't quite sure it was going on, but they, sh- they had it up on the screen almost instantly. And as soon as I saw that ball move a little bit, just because of what we've been talking about, how they've been calling this for years, I'm, I'm like, that's not a catch. It, they should challenge it, and if they challenge it, it's not going to be a catch. There, there was no drama for me. Uh, I, I can't say no drama, but there wasn't much drama for me because of how consistently that rule has been called. I, as soon as I saw that ball move when he hit the ground, I was sure that they were going to overturn it. And as a matter of fact, as soon as I heard the referee start going, it's been determined that the receiver, I just started, I started yeah, cheering. Same here. I didn't even hear the rest of it. I knew it was over. So, uh, with that being said, it, yeah, it's got a stink for the Cowboys, but Jason Garrett really uh, owned up and said the officials didn't cost us anything we had tons of plays in this game I know Des Bryant was beside himself but he was beside himself on the first drive when he thought he beat Tremont Williams and he didn't get the ball and he was freaking out um, he's such a baby I was watching him a lot in that game yesterday and he is he's a piece of work he he just was freaking out all the time even when he wasn't getting the ball uh early in the game there, there really wasn't anything on the line um, but I think that didn't cost them the game, and had they scored there, they would have been up by most three points, the Packers having two timeouts and four and a half minutes left. So by no means was that the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's the part that nobody's talking about today, is that you, even if that was a touchdown, and they didn't even get in on that play, it had been a catch, they were down at the one, so anything could happen there. Yeah, You get a touchdown, you're only up two or three, or one, I guess, and... Um, and then the Packers, obviously, even when Dallas knew exactly what was coming, couldn't stop them on that last drive. They would have gotten at least a field goal there yeah. with over, over two minutes to go. So, um, over I, four I minutes to
0: go, I think. I think it was like if they punch it in on the next play, it would have been like four minutes left.
1: Yeah. So I don't. They hadn't stopped the Packers the whole second half. I think we go down there and score with no time on the clock. But I guess regardless. Um, Did you hear anything about the clock reset? I know that's been an issue, and I didn't hear anybody talk about it today, but I guess the NFL admitted they did something wrong on that.
0: I haven't heard anything about that at all.
1: I think maybe they didn't put time back on the clock or vice versa or something like that after that challenge.
0: Oh, well, it would have been like five seconds or... Yeah. Well, it doesn't surprise me when they're spotting Jason Witten two yards ahead of where he actually oh, got. Oh, that was how, I,
1: don't, I didn't understand how they did that. I'm glad they overturned it, but I don't get how you get there in the first place.
0: I could tell he didn't get that far, and I was in the end zone seats. So your perspective is horrible, and when they said it was a first down, I couldn't believe it. And then they showed it on the Jumbotron, I was furious. I don't think anybody's getting screwed. Uh, there's been... Last week, it was... Everybody loves the Cowboys. The NFL wants them in the Super Bowl. That's why Detroit got screwed. Now this week they love the Packers and hate the Cowboys. Apparently they had another secret basement meeting that says, okay, we changed our minds. We're going to screw the Cowboys now. Um, I just think these referees are incompetent because there's no review. The NFL doesn't care. They just do whatever they can to make the game be over in three hours, whether that's make fake first downs, not measure, uh, I I don't understand what is wrong with the officiating, but it stinks right now, and it it really makes you feel like you're getting cheated when you're watching.
1: Yeah, as much as that one play was really the focal point of yesterday, the whole game was called poorly, and you know, for the Packers and against the Packers, you can't really say. I'm sure Cowboys fans would say that it was all in favor of Green Bay, but it was really split both ways a lot of times. And
0: yeah, their first was, touchdown was a gift when Tremont yeah. Williams had the incidental contact. Um, and one of Demarco Murray's long runs that led to their second touchdown. AJ Hawk. I'm surprised his jersey was still on his body by the time he got there. And I know that happens in every play, but it's so inconsistent. You would think that the players just have to completely ignore the referees because uh, there is zero consistency from one week to the next, and from crew to crew, and heck, from quarter to quarter within the same crew sometimes. Mm-hmm. But let's not talk about that. The Cowboys didn't get screwed. The Packers beat them, and one of the reasons was an absolutely gutty performance on the uh, back of Aaron Rodgers. He played tremendously yesterday, and I don't know how apparent it was on the TV broadcast, but the first drive, all they were doing was handing off to Eddie Lacey and he was limping so badly, I was sure that he was not going to finish the game, and I instantly became worried that they were going to lose. And he played tentative and he played very protective of his leg. He didn't move hardly at all in that first half. And then once they got down in the second half, I don't know if he flipped the switch in his head or if his calf started feeling better or some treatment at halftime, whatever that might have been. But in the second half, he played lights out. And he looked, instead of looking like crappy Buffalo Bills, Aaron Rodgers, he looked like, probably two-time league MVP Aaron Rodgers, and just tore the Cowboys apart in the second half.
1: Yeah, that second half was incredible. And, and they were showing him a lot, kind of double-hopping on his good leg and, and limping around, too. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, he looked so tentative. He was holding the ball forever, just sitting in the pocket, and just unusual for Aaron Rodgers. You could tell clearly something was wrong. But, like you said, for, for him to flip that switch in the second half... Whatever it was, I know as you warm up through the game it, it probably gets a little bit easier, but I wouldn't be surprised if something else happened in the locker room as well to kind of help him out. But for him to not only look better, but to play like that was incredible. I mean, that's about as good of a half as he's played. He was completely on point, a completely different guy, and they don't win the game if he doesn't show up like that, obviously. So that was really amazing to see that in the second half.
0: Yeah, both of those touchdown passes were pinpoint accurate. Yeah. Uh, after seeing him miss some easier throws in the first half And one throw that I'm sure nobody's going to remember after a few days He had a seam throw to Randall Cobb That I was sitting directly behind uh Aaron Rodgers on that play When he is zipping that ball through there And I couldn't see Randall Cobb I had no idea how the heck he got that ball through there And that to me was probably his best throw of the game, even including that Richard Rodgers one, and that Devontae Adams one was perfect, too, the one that Adams cut back. So um, we've talked a lot about the grit of Aaron Rodgers the last couple of weeks, but... He's starting to build his legend now. The last couple of years, we always knew he was good, but really since he's come back from the collarbone injury, he's shown that he's he's not only good but he's tough, and nobody questions his leadership anymore. Remember earlier in his career when you'd hear people kind of do that sort of stuff, and I had a a note here that when you think about how he played yesterday, and then how Julius Peppers played yesterday, and has yeah. really played all season. The Packers could very well end their season in Seattle in dominating fashion on Sunday. And I have a note here that the last two years are not going to produce anything of note when it comes to championships or things things like that. But Rodgers and McCarthy and Thompson might have expanded their legacy in the last two years. Rodgers finally showing how tough he is getting comebacks, which he had never got before. He's got to have like four or five in the last, you know, 16 games. McCarthy being able to win a division championship largely without Aaron Rodgers, proving he can coach without a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Ted Thompson going out of his comfort zone, paying a ton of money for a free agent that everybody said was washed up and he turned out to be this key that the defense needed. I think these three guys... In what is probably going to be a forgotten section of their their history, really to me, kind of built their legacy and showed how complete they completely good they are at all three of their respective jobs.
1: Yeah, completely agree with all three of those things. I think all three of them are going to be around for probably the next eight years, and it's a good thing because I I think like you, I've gotten a lot more confidence in all three of those aspects as well, mm-hmm. and I hope this kind of opens up. Ted's mind a little bit for future free agent transactions as well. He doesn't just stop after this one like he did after Woodson for a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, gosh, who did he get after that? I can't remember. Didn't they get Anthony Smith and uh, all those great, great guys? I saw a dude with a Brandon Chiller jersey at the game nice. yesterday. It yeah, he was, was one of the
1: other he was probably the biggest free agent signing they had between <laughs> Woodson and Peppers.
0: Yeah, he was he was a big time star. Um I could not confirm whether or not it was in fact Brandon Chiller himself who was wearing that jersey in the crowd. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I assume not. I also saw a Tim Maste jersey, so uh, nice. I think, is that somebody that knows them or just trying to be a hipster Packer fan? Or like
1: a family night kind of a thing. I, I'm sure they don't actually sell those jerseys anywhere.
0: No, he he would have had to have it custom made, or, or yeah. maybe he won it in some kind of charity auction. But, yeah, so a lot of different uh jerseys out there. Most of the Cowboy ones, by the way, were the new Nike, Antonio Bryant, Tony Romo ones, DeMarco Murray's. So definitely recently purchased, so you question their loyalties a little bit. mm mm-hmm. But I saw a few people with authentic Marion Barber jerseys. So nice I made sure to be extra nice to those folks because <laughs> they've been in it for the long haul, obviously. <laughs> um, Eddie Lacy apparently had an asthma attack in the second half, and that's why he was out of the game. Okay. And so, ah. yep. here, Wallace, uh, contributing <laughs> a little <laughs> bit there. He, Eddie Lacy's his favorite player right here. <laughs> um, so I think with Eddie Lacy... It, Another game where he just tears it up on the first drive. And then following that, he has to come out of the game either for asthma or for ineffectiveness. I guess I don't know yesterday if the asthma was a large issue, but if it wasn't in that first half, I don't know why the heck they're playing around with uh, James Starks and Randall Cobb in the backfield when Eddie Lacy is playing like Earl Campbell after the first drive. And they did the same thing last week. So it's got to be something that they're uh, thinking about they're, uh, that they're trying to do from a strategy standpoint but it really doesn't make much sense to me unless his asthma is that bad
1: i'm sure that it had a lot to do with it because as i told you yesterday on, on tv they showed that uh, i forget who the sideline reporter was but she they're said that Andrews, she had, i think yeah yeah she said that she had asked mccarthy that at half because he was kind of strangely out of the game a lot and he just said that he they hadn't had the opportunities To put him in or something like that. Okay. Which was a strange answer, obviously. So, um, I
0: my hands are tied. I'm just the head coach, so I can't put him in.
1: Right. So you figured there was either an injury or something that they didn't want to disclose. So maybe the asthma was the thing. I actually hadn't heard that yet today. So that that's probably your most likely culprit, because I don't know. I feel like you're right. He would have stayed in the game there if in most of those situations, otherwise.
0: Yeah, and and if that was a problem, kudos to him for sucking it up and coming back for that final drive. And Not to heap more praise on Aaron Rodgers, but to me that's even more impressive that he engineered that comeback largely without Eddie Lacy, and for large chunks of that, without any running back at all. Um, So I think that was impressive. I don't know if you noticed on TV, but one of the things they did about three times yesterday was they lined up John Kuhn split out wide. And Dallas didn't even cover him for like five seconds, and Rogers still didn't snap the ball and throw it huh. to him. So I'm sure it's a matchup thing, and it, there's something, you know, maybe it's a cheat in there where Dallas has to commit a guy out there, and you can play 10-on-10 10 10 and have a little yeah, bit more probably. Sleep. But it just, I don't know, I'm not a smart enough uh, person to realize why that makes any sense. I'm sure all.
1: they've probably got about four plays lined up like that, and three of them, he's a decoy in all of them, but then they probably have the one that's a trick. that Maybe, maybe you, <laughs> you're onto something, maybe we see something... Like that against uh, Seattle this week, and they they throw it to him.
0: John Coon jet sweep is that yep. what we're gonna see? <laughs> I'm sure that'll work for gosh, 18 or 19 inches on the play. I'm sure. All right, um, Devontae Adams. I suppose we should talk about him. Right before he made that touchdown catch, I was talking to some of the people next to me and saying, if if his head's not straight or if he can't get better, I don't know how he. Uh, even makes the team next year, and then he plays like Michael Irvin for the rest of the game. Yeah. So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's something about this guy. um He came through in the two biggest games they've played this season and right. just had monster games, and I heard a great quote today that you shouldn't judge a young player by how bad he is when he's bad. You should judge him how good he is when he's good, and I think Devontae Adams is showing big-time flashes that he might be a special one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have flashes like you saw yesterday if you're not that good of a player. Um, As as a first-year receiver, I mean, a lot of these guys don't really blow it up. It's kind of standard for them to have a a slower first-year, but you usually don't see games like this. I mean, you've got your exceptions like Anquan Bolden or Odell Beckham and guys like that, but... Overall, I mean, for him to play that big in that spot, and it wasn't just catching tough passes, it was the run after the catch and making moves and making guys miss. I mean, he looked elite yesterday a lot of times.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had the touchdown, which was huge, but that was a great catch concentration and then a cut and then some speed to the corner, but that third and three one was tremendous, he caught a ball contested, broke the tackle, then he juked out a guy, and then ran away from some other ones, I mean, that is basically your checklist of what skills you need to possess in order to be a great NFL receiver, and he demonstrated all of them in one play, and it was so impressive that I, I saw some of the game uh, that I had taped, and I watched it a little bit last night, I don't know about Buck and Aikman, I only hear that everybody thinks that Buck and Aikman hates their own team, but Joe Buck reacted like Larry McCarran when Devontae Adams caught that third and three pass that broke away. I mean, he was basically cheering, and uh, that to me is a testament of how great a play that was and not that Joe Buck is paid off by the Packers.
1: Yeah, I don't buy into the, the hatred for those <laughs> announcers either. <laughs> I think
0: Buck I- and Aikman are awesome. I, I love them. I think they're the new uh, Madden and Summerall, honestly.
1: I, w- I guess I was too busy screaming myself to hear the call <laughs> on that one, but yeah. but yeah, that was incredible.
0: Yeah, so I think the thing going forward now—I uh, don't—we're probably not done talking about the Cowboys, but when you start to think about playing Seattle, Chris Berman made an awesome point last night on one of the ESPN broadcasts where he said the Packers have Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Eddie Lacy, and their touchdowns yesterday were were scored by Andrew Corliss. Rookie Devontae Adams and rookie Richard Rodgers, the latter two had almost no impact in the first part of the season when they lost to Seattle. Corey Lindsley had just played, he that was his first start, and he just found out he was going to be a starter about 10 days prior to that. David Bakhtiari, who's turning into a very, very good NFL player, was making his 17th career NFL start in Seattle and he's now played another full season's worth. He's doubled the amount of games that he's played since that last time they played in Seattle. And I still think it's a long shot that they can win, but some of the key components that can help them win and have been helping them win these big games the last month are a lot more seasoned than they were back in September.
1: Yeah, and I, I we can get more into this game too, but I <laughs> oh, sorry. <about> that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, oh, that's okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've they've got a great shot but I mean seriously give me this team if you if you take any team in the lead to go in there and have a shot I think I'd take this Packers team so I think right now Seattle's just that much better than everybody but mm-hmm. if if you want a shot I wish Rodgers was healthy but I love the line I like the defense enough I like the weapons better than I did earlier this year and obviously it's Aaron Rodgers so if if anybody's got a chance in Seattle it's us
0: Yeah and if they could run on Detroit who had one of the best run defenses of all time They certainly should be able to run on Seattle uh, It's going to come down to Defense and all of that stuff So we'll see what happens going forward But Oh man uh, One last thing uh, before we move on And talk about Seattle I just wanted to say that Uh, I was going to make fun of the Cowboys and use the intro song being Where Have All the Cowboys Gone by Paula Cole. Uh, But Jason Chastain, one of our great fans, also uh, potentially going to be a brother-in-law someday. Um, He's a big Cowboys fan, finally came out of the closet. He's from Texas. He's been up here for a while. Finally, this season was the year before they started winning that he's like, that's it, I'm putting it on the table, I'm a Cowboys fan. And so he's taking the loss a little bit hard today, so I'm not going to make fun of the Cowboys, but... I did want to say I feel really bad for Tony Romo because he gutted it out big time yesterday. I thought he played a tremendous game, and then listening to his post-game press conference when he was talking uh about how rare it has been for him in his career, as good as he's been, to get to this point, and he had a line where he said, you th- you think about this whole season and how hard it was to get to this point, and then realize how far you are from your goal And the only way you can get back to this point is to do all of that hard stuff all over again. And he said, I'm sure that in a few months I'll be ready for that challenge, but for right now it just hurts a lot. And I felt horrible for him, and it just really puts you into that mindset of how hard these guys work, all of them, on all the teams, and for just a very small select few, is it going to feel like it was all worth it? And it just kind of, you know... I never want to go, woe is me for the professional athlete, but they do put a lot into this, and for some of the good guys like Romo, you feel bad for them.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I, I think other than you know a couple guys on this team, I, they're a pretty likable group, despite the star in their helmet. I mean, for, mm-hmm. for Romo and Witten, and I know there's a lot of people that still have that hatred from the 90s against the Cowboys, but I really don't anymore. No, me either. Um and you just kind of feel bad for Tony that he, he finally seemed to get over some of these humps this year and won a playoff game and, and won the division and played really well and potentially could be the MVP still. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then for this to happen, it's just done like that in heartbreaking fashion. You're just done and this is the farthest they've been and, it, and it's over for them. So it, you yeah, obviously, <laughs> you feel great that the Packers won it, but I, I like this Cowboys team and they're fun to root for. And I think if the, the Packers weren't the ones, uh, at this point, I think they would have been the team I was rooting for
0: Yeah, and that was my olive branch To all the Cowboys fans that I talked to yesterday And I said, I got nothing against you I obviously want the Packers to win But if you guys win, I'm going to be pulling for you Hardcore to beat the Seahawks So, Yeah, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know, it, it's tough because you never Really want to say you hope Romo gets a Championship because that's going to take a prime Year away from Aaron Rodgers, but If it somehow happens, I certainly will feel Happy for him, and, and Jason Garrett seems to have come around. DeMarco Murray is a good guy. They've got a lot of good guys on that team. And it's funny, uh, having finally seen Jason Witten live, I could never understand watching the TV broadcasts how the heck this guy gets open. And he is just a wizard of being able to stop in open space. Mm-hmm. He just runs and then he just stops, and he's wide open. Uh, he obviously has to work with a quarterback who understands that. Uh, he's not going to be running the Jermichael Finley routes and the Gronkowski routes and catch-it passes, but he is the king of running and stopping in open space, and Romo and him are always on the same page, so it was kind of fun to finally discover the secret of Jason Witten.
1: Sure, yep, and another one of those guys, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer and has never been past this round, so... Um, but yeah, you're right. I think that's always kind of been his key. I always picture him just in the open field, just stopping, popping, turn around on a quick (laughs) comeback and gets hit by Romo. It seems like that's how he's caught all of his passes.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, did you hear that New York bozo thing that everybody keeps talking about?
1: I did. Yeah. I, I, when they showed it live, they, they played that part super loud. He said it like back to back times and it was clear as day what he was saying. And I did hear a little bit of the follow-up that it was just a, you know, just a gimmick call at the line. I don't know where he came up with that.
0: Well, it's probably a shot at Chris Christie, I would imagine.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I didn't think, even think of that.
0: Yeah, that's what everybody's speculating on, and I, I don't know why else he would say that, but.
1: Yeah, it was seemed so random, and for him after the game to say that, he's like, oh, you guys heard that, and then it had no meaning. Obviously it meant something.
0: Yeah, and he kinda had a smile that was like, oh, okay, now everybody's in on the joke, and you, everybody had to know what it means. At the stadium, the biggest ovation, of outside of a, you know, a, a big play, you know, including, uh, maybe not the biggest, I don't wanna exaggerate, but one of the biggest ovations of the day was when they showed Charlie Sheen on yeah. the, the Jumbotron, cause he had his Packers gear on it, so the the whole crowd <laughs> gave him quite a nice ovation. Maybe not an Aaron Rodgers ovation, but I would say a Brian Bulaga level ovation. Alright. All right, let's move on to Seattle, and this is going to be a really tough game. I haven't checked the Vegas line today, but last night when they first unveiled them, it was a a 7.5 point favorite for Seattle, and I say that's about fair. This is a hard one for me because you have such a spectrum amongst Packer fans. You have some that are saying it's over, it was nice that they won yesterday, but they're not going to beat Seattle. And then you have the delusional Packer fans that are just like, yeah, we're going to beat Seattle 35 to, you know, seven and we're going to go off to the Super Bowl and we're going to beat New England 42 to nothing. Uh, obviously I'm not in that camp. I right now, Matt, I don't know how you feel about this, but I can't seem to reconcile the idea that the Packers can win with the idea that the Packers will win. Uh, it feels almost, I can't say exactly because I was only nine years old at the time, but it feels how I felt going into Dallas in 95, where yes, they certainly can win, but I don't think they will, and I have a hard time envisioning the type of game in which the Packers win.
1: Yeah, and I think if Rodgers was 100% healthy, I'd have a little bit more confidence and maybe enough to pick him in this game, but... I mean, just watching that Seattle defense, I know they gave up a few points to Carolina, but I, I think Cam Chancellor had about the best game I've ever had a, or seen a safety play yeah. in that game. It was just insane. That defense is so good, and I don't know, at times this this offense can be shut down, and, and we've seen a time again against this type of a defense, and, and obviously we've talked about this year teams like Buffalo, which are a similar defense, but not nearly as talented, and you yeah. get completely shut down. I, I They've definitely got a chance, but I, I don't have the confidence that they're going to do it I, I think they can but I don't know how they do it I they, the only option is if they completely shut down the Seattle offense I think
0: yeah and I think you're right I think if they they can win this game 14 to 10 or yeah. or 17 to 14 or something like that but if Seattle gets to 20 points I don't think the Packers can win and yeah the, the tough thing about Seattle's defense too is I can't think of an analogy but It's not a schematic thing where you can outthink them. And maybe maybe the Patriots is a sort of bad example, but like Belichick's best Patriots defenses were solid every single week, but they didn't have a lot of great, great, great players. They had some really, really good ones, but, you you know, Teddy Bruschi's not a Hall of Famer, and a a lot of those kind of guys where you would, every once in a while, you could blow them up, where Peyton did it a couple times, and the Chiefs did it once, and, and you have... Uh, Denver would do it from time to time, where you can just beat their scheme and you can score points. Seattle doesn't have a scheme. They play a pretty vanilla defense, and their scheme is, we have eight Pro Bowl-level players, and we can beat you one-on-one every single position across the board. And how do you outthink that? You can't. And I think that's... They've been so hot lately, they've beaten some rubbish quarterbacks in this stretch run where they're putting up historic numbers. I understand that, but Aaron Rodgers is a little bit hurt. I think you're right. If they can shut down the Seattle offense, they have a chance. Um, man, it's going to make me sick, because Seattle's going to win, and then i got to hear, hear about how great Russell Wilson is again when... Ugh, disgusting. I don't even think he's that good, and and maybe it's just me being upset about it, but it's... It's the Jim McMahon comparison. I crunched the numbers earlier today, and I don't think I'm ever going to write an article about it, but in the first three years, he's had to score 15 points a game. That's what Seattle's defense is holding people to. Even Brady, at the absolute height of Belichick's defenses, they were giving up 17 points a game. And when you look for a comparison, uh, Peyton Manning, in his first three years, when he wasn't winning anything, his defenses were giving up 24 points a game, and he still went to the playoffs twice. So I... He can maybe catch on like Brady did later in his career But it just drives me nuts that you have people talking That he's the best quarterback in the NFL When literally all he has to do is not throw three interceptions And he's going to win Right?
1: Yeah. There's no way that anybody can make a serious argument to me That he should have been the MVP this year Or that he's top five quarterback I think he's good for that team They're probably exactly what they need But if you put him on a team and ask him to, to do what Aaron Rodgers does There's obviously no way he could do that
0: No, and if you watch that Carolina game, he had that one touchdown pass, which was phenomenal. But the rest of those where he's supposedly making amazing throws, when Aaron Rodgers makes amazing throws, Devontae Adams catches it like he's running and never breaks stride, and then all of a sudden magically has the ball and is running for touchdowns. He doesn't have to stop in his tracks and jump as high as he can and turn around and catch the ball and fall to the ground, which I see Seattle's receivers doing constantly. Right. Yeah, so... Yes, I'm bitter because I'm expecting Russell Wilson to win again, but... Uh, I
1: think we're super impartial, too, because we're Badger fans as well. So we come, we came in with liking Russell Wilson, and he's just become so irritating and so corny in all of his interviews and commercials that he's just so hateable.
0: Yeah, he's, he's insufferable, I think is the best word for it. Uh, that guy drives me nuts. So... It's going to be tough to beat uh, Seattle, I guess. That's going to be broken down much more elaborately than Matt and I can do here, but uh, we'll make our picks towards the end, but it's going to take the best game the Packers have played in maybe in, in a long time, including any of the games in the run to the Super Bowl in order to beat Seattle in Seattle, I think. Well, let's talk about some of the other things that happened yesterday, and I think the, or, uh, this weekend. The biggest one to me is, well, obviously to everyone, is, uh, Peyton Manning and how poorly he played. John Fox stepped down as the coach of the Broncos. Matt and I were talking before we went on the air here that, uh, we hadn't, or I had s- never seen a coach that unaffected by a big loss as I saw John Fox, Yesterday, and it made me think that he was done I didn't expect it to happen, you know, 18 hours later But John Fox has left It makes you wonder about the future of Peyton Manning And I know he played awful yesterday But he's been really bad for about the last six weeks And uh, I guess, do you think this is finally it for Peyton?
1: Well, and we did hear that he's had a torn hamstring Or a quad, I think it was, for the last six weeks, basically, too Since early November, I think, is what they said yeah, Ouch So I mean that seems to tie in directly to when he started playing poorly. So he's he's got to be pretty close to the end. But I would think, knowing that now after they were just released that yesterday or after the game, that knowing that that you would think he would want to come back and take another shot because it's not like he was bad all year long. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it all of a sudden he just got old. I think he he's been old but is still playing really well. So I think I think he's got another year in him, but it, now that Fox is gone, you wonder if you know, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe that's what Peyton yeah. wants to stick around. You never know what their relationship was like. Yeah. But but the other half of it is Now I have to probably work under a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach. Do I really want to do that when I'm at this stage in my career, too? So, Mm -hmm. And after coming off a really bad finish, maybe he does just call it quits, but I guess I don't really see that.
0: Yeah, and it also makes you wonder if he won't have a choice in the matter of whether or not he comes back. And I know he's a great, great player, but it's one thing to force Peyton Manning out of Indianapolis. He means nothing to Denver. Um, I mean... I don't know. I mean, obviously he's done some nice things for them, but the guy kicking him out is John Elway. And I I can't think of even another analogy. It would be like, yeah, Derrick Rose is finally winding down, and the guy kicking him out is Michael Jordan. Well, the fans will accept that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think this is going to be interesting going forward. Yesterday watching Peyton play... It was kind of sad to see and knowing that he had a torn quad makes changes my mind a little bit but I don't know I I don't know if you're ever ready to see a great player play but the guy who played yesterday didn't look like the Peyton Manning I remember seeing. Uh so if it's time I guess uh, I guess it would I would be okay with it as a non Peyton Manning non Broncos or Colts fan. Uh it'd be interesting to see what our fan John Bellish has to think about Peyton Manning after yesterday. Um but to me, the just fan of NFL history, I think there there would be something poetic about his last game being a loss against his old team and the guy who replaced him.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's kind of weird how this happens with quarterbacks. Is you just see Peyton Manning play last year, and you're like, this guy can play till he's 50. I mean, what is he going to lose? He doesn't throw the ball down the field he's got everything he needs to keep playing and it just it kind of reminds me of dan marino at the end of his career it's just all of a sudden is he's just less effective for whatever reason yeah you, you kind of looked at peyton and you're like how could this ever slow down i mean he's going to do this for a long time and then all of a sudden it just slows down and slows down until it kind of happens to what you saw yesterday and it's done mm-hmm. so it, it's really weird how the careers kind of run like that and very few go out on top like elway did mm-hmm. and I mean, you got Favre with Terrible last year in Minnesota. You know, Mm -hmm. Marino, who I mentioned, guys going off with concussions, but it's just, for whatever reason, seem to hit a wall at their end of their careers as a quarterback when you think they can do it forever, but nobody can.
0: Well, you got to think at just some point your body just kind of runs out of gas. (laughs) And, And I think the line between greatness and... I I didn't want to say badness, but less than greatness is is very razor thin, and I think we've seen that in a lot of guys. And if it can happen to lesser talents like Josh McCown, why can't it happen to a 38 year old Peyton Manning? I right. mean, that they don't care that you're Peyton Manning; they're just trying to win the game that day. Andrew Luck getting a lot of publicity today. On the flip side of things, I like Andrew Luck. I've said. Repeatedly on this show, he's my favorite non-packer because of how entertaining he is, but I didn't think he played some kind of great game that all of a sudden vaults him to the top. He was like 230 yards and two interceptions against a guy who couldn't get a first down. I'm not that impressed by that. No, and two really bad
1: picks, too. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that at all. They were just basically launched up in the air.
0: Well, I saw the second one, the punt that he threw, but I didn't see They were the same
1: thing. The first one was pretty much the same. Right in the middle of center field with nobody
0: around, just picked off. Okay. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him finally get a chance at Brady, and it's so weird about the way the NFL is now that the Colts should feel like this is a breakthrough to the next level like the Packers in 95, but it really doesn't because you've seen so many bad teams get to play at this stage of the game that, uh, I don't know, nothing means anything to me anymore. The, the the crappy Colts who feasted on a terrible division were 11-5 and with a 6-0 and record against some of the worst teams in football. Um, I and still, got
1: absolutely demolished by the team the Packers just beat yesterday
0: <laughs> Yeah, by a million points and got Just ki- a couple of weeks ago Yeah, and they got destroyed by the Patriots already this year in their own building So I, I feel like I'm supposed to think this is Andrew Luck's great uh, arrival to the next level But it doesn't feel like that to me
1: Yeah, it could be I'm sure they'll be around They'll be a wild card team Or a division winning team Probably for the next 10, 12 years But right now this team that's established Is not a contender, I don't think And who knows, maybe they beat New England But I don't think they have any chance To beat Green Bay or Seattle Whoever they would match up against
0: Well, if Green Bay somehow beats Seattle In that second game I'm pulling for the Colts Yeah, no kidding And one other big NFL note is Rex Ryan is to the Buffalo Bills, which was announced late last night. Kind of a strange hire, and also hearing that Jack Del Rio might get hired by the Oakland Raiders, uh, some of these teams just don't ever want to win, do they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the weirdest hire. I mean, it seems like a classic Raiders coach that comes in for (laughs) half a season and gets canned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about Rex to the Bills? Do you think uh, that might work with that with that defense he has? There's a chance that he could recreate that uh, dynamic he had with the Jets early on.
1: I think they definitely can. He's already got such a good defense established. He doesn't have to even do too much. And I think implementing his defense into that, they might get better. Mm -hmm. But they have no chance of getting another quarterback at this point, it seems like, unless they try to make a a trade for a Cutler or something like that. I mean, they're a middle-of-the-road team, so you don't get a high draft pick. There's no good free agent quarterback, so you're basically stuck with E.J. Manuel or Kyle Orton again. So I don't necessarily think this team's all of a sudden a big contender because they've got Rex Ryan, but that defense will be good.
0: Yeah, I could see them going, making a, a push for Jay Cutler.
1: Yeah, why not? <laughs> you would
0: probably I mean, have to. you've got no right.
1: end in sight otherwise, now that you've got a good defense, you'll probably finish between 10 and 20 every year. Yeah. And you're never going to get the quarterback you want, except maybe another EJ manual if you decide to do that at 15 again. Yeah. It's just, uh, you're pretty much, it's kind of the situation the Bucks have been in for years now, is they're picking number 10 in the draft every year and never getting an elite player, <laughs> getting all these okay players, and just never cracking to that next level because of it.
0: Yeah, and the Bucks are. Doing what the Bills did this year and ruining it for themselves, I, I like want to be a Bucks fan, but I have a their alerts set on my phone, and they keep winning, and I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. But stop! We need we need another great pick next year.
1: Yeah, the Bills could have tanked this year and, and got a quarterback.
0: Yeah, but, I mean probably
1: in the franchise's best interest.
0: I think if they could get. Jay Cutler as a free agent, they should go about doing it, and there's a chance where something crazy could happen, like Kaepernick hits the free agent market, or something like that, if they could make a play on those guys without having to give up draft picks, I would absolutely do it, pay them whatever they want, but if you're going to have to give up picks for either of those guys, you may as well go for broke and trade to get higher in the draft and pick Mariota or one of those guys. hmm I don't know if they could get all the way to number one, and they could pick Jameis Winston, but Jameis Winston and Rex Ryan seems like the absolute worst disaster yeah. of all time. So now Yeah, having, and they
1: to move up, I don't know what pick they're at, but it's probably high teams. They'd have to
0: give up a whole lot for that. Yeah, they would basically have to do what the Redskins did to get RG3. Yeah. All right, um, before we talk one last time and give our predictions, well, talk one last time makes it sound like really <laughs> dire – For the last part of the show, as I I meant to say, and make our predictions for the conference championships, I wanted to go over the Hall of Fame finalists, because some some of these were really irritating to me, but I'll read them real fast. Uh, There were 15 uh, modern era finalists, and they are Morton Anderson, Jerome Bettis, Tim Brown, Don Coriel, Terrell Davis, Tony Dungy, Kevin Green, Charles Haley, Marvin Harrison, Jimmy Johnson, John Lynch, Orlando Pace, Bill Polian, Junior Seau, Will Shields, uh Mick Tinglehoff, which is one of the old guys, uh <laughs> Kurt Warner, Ron Wolf, and I didn't tell you the teams or when they played because if you're listening to this show, you definitely already know that. Matt I guess before I Talk about what I want to talk about. Are there any on there that you think are shoe-ins? Who do you really hope makes it, and who do you think has no business being on the list?
1: Well, I obviously really hope Ron Ron Wolf makes it, but that might even be kind of a stretch at this point. Uh, Who was he with before the Packers?
0: Uh, he was with the Raiders during the Madden era. Okay. Uh, so he from '73 to uh, or 1963 to '74. He was with the Raiders, and then he kind of roamed around. He was with Tampa Bay and helped them build that first team that sucked at first, but then went to the NFC title. And I think he was with the Jets right before he went to the Packers. I don't know what he did in the rest of the '80s. Sure.
1: Um, and I mean, really, the whole rest of the list. I see a lot of guys that are like, yeah, they could probably be in. I guess nobody really stands out to me as like no way that he that he should be in. But it's a lot of really fringe guys. I I don't know. It's a tough one. I I feel like Junior Seau probably should be in. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Green.
0: Kevin Green is the only guy in the top five in sacks that didn't make it yet. He's got to go in.
1: So Kevin Green, Will Shields, Kurt Warner.
0: Kurt Warner's got to go in.
1: Yeah, I think Kurt Warner's in for sure. Um, but I mean, other than that, they're all the same kind of guy, really. I mean, Marvin Harrison, Tim Brown, it's like, yeah, they could go in, and I wouldn't think twice about it. But um, I don't know, Jerome Bettis, kind of the same thing. I guess he's he was very good, but I don't I don't quite know if they're Hall of Famers.
0: Was anybody ever terrified to play Pittsburgh because they had Jerome Bettis?
1: No, not really. I mean, maybe earlier in his tenure there.
0: Of the two guys on the list, though, uh, at the running back position, I know you can't go that, but to me, when everybody nowadays has great stats, stats don't matter. I don't care about guys who played for a million years and got a lot of stats, because everybody has those. So tell me if you were more afraid in 1997 or in 1998 to play Pittsburgh or to play Denver when it came to running the football.
1: Yeah, I mean TD for sure. That year he had there, or that couple of years stretch, was about as good as it got. So, it it's that argument that he maybe had a couple of the best years ever for running backs, but he only played six years. So do you put him in? Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm on the fence with him. I'd like to see him get in just because of what he did when he was there. But it's so short, it gets tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his first four years were about. I mean. People remember the 2,000 yard season in '98, but I think he had 1,700 in '97. He had a, another like and ninety96 I mean, he his first four years were huge. Yeah. And the thing that hurts him is that Denver did it with a lot of guys. They were never that good. But I mean, Mike yeah, Anderson true. is a freaking fullback running for 1,300 yards in that offense. So mm-hmm. I don't think that whole, that should be held against him necessarily. But it certainly I think has played a role. Marvin Harrison versus, uh, Tim Brown to me feels like a coin flip, although Marvin Harrison played his whole career with Peyton Manning and Tim Brown played with Jeff Hostetler and Jeff George and Jay Schrader and, and Rich Gannon. I mean, that's a little bit different to me. The one thing I will say, Tony Dungy I completely disagree with. Uh, I know he made the playoffs a bunch of times, but if you put him in, then Shanahan's got to go in, Mike Holmgren's got to go in. If if Mike McCarthy wins the Super Bowl this year, he's got to go in. Yeah. I think that's getting a bit ridiculous. But one thing that I find incredibly troubling about this list, without breaking it down completely, is that Tony Dungy, Jimmy Johnson, John Lynch... What is one thing all, and Kurt Warner, not that they're not deserving, but would any of those four guys be first year eligibles for the players and for, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson who's been around for a long time and he won two Super Bowls, but there's a lot of guys who won two Super Bowls and coached a lot longer and were successful. Would those guys be on this list if they weren't on TV every Sunday?
1: I would say yes for all of those except Dungey. I think you're right with him, and I think it's more because the, kind of the aura he gives off, and he's the, the good guy kind of a thing, um, and he's still around the game so much, and he's always on ESPN and and wherever else, and I think that he, that has a lot to go into play with his candidacy for this, but I think with the other guys, I think they still deserve it.
0: I think Dungey's the most apparent one. Kurt Warner, I think, is fine. Jimmy Johnson is iffy to me. I know what he did in Dallas, but, again, it was very short. Yeah, I mean that's true.
1: And my, it's not like Miami was outstanding.
0: No, they stunk there. I mean, and if you look at the total resume, it's not better than Mike Shanahan, I don't think. Um, it's iffy, but to me, John Lynch, is John Lynch better than Leroy Butler? And is John Lynch better than Steve Atwater and some of those guys?
1: I would argue no, but I think there's a lot of people that would say, you know, he was an elite safety and probably the best in the league for a few years there, and I I agree with you, I I know he's he's an announcer now and he's popular because of that, but he was extremely popular when he was playing as well.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I'm not saying that, and maybe that's what I have to get over, I'm not saying that these guys aren't deserving, but I'm... I'm questioning why them versus some other guys, mm-hmm. and I guess John Lynch now having I didn't realize he played until 2007, and so that maybe changes it with Atwater and Butler because they didn't have quite that much longevity in the in the uh, in the league. Uh, but John Lynch again right here only a, a two-time first-team All-Pro, and Leroy, Leroy Butler was a three-time first-team All-Pro. So yeah,
1: I think that means that Butler
0: should get in. I think it. I I would agree completely. <laughs> All right, so we'll see what happens with that. So hopefully Kevin Green goes in and uh, Kurt Warner and some of those guys. Uh, the offensive lineman, fine. I, I can't <laughs> – I I know who Orlando Pace and Will Shields are. Will Shields is one of those guys that I just – the first time I ever heard of him was when people were saying, yeah, Will Shields is the best guard in football, and then they said that for the rest of his career, and I right. guess, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. I believe you. Yeah. He's 99 every year on Madden, so I guess I'll take your word for it. All right, let's get to uh, the picks and uh, some really nice conference championship games at the very least – with the Colts being borderline, I think that I'll be satisfied with whoever wins the Super Bowl this year, that they'll be a deserving champion for for once. Uh, Seattle obviously was last year, but we've always had some kind of iffy teams in the mix, and I think this year we got four really good teams, Uh three and a half really good teams, I'll say, that uh, have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Let's start with Colts at Patriots, which I still, whenever I say that, I expect it to be Brady versus Manning.
1: Yeah, and... I'll take the Patriots in this one, and not the exciting pick, and I just don't think the Colts stand much of a chance. I think with the way that Luck passes the ball, they could find themselves down pretty big early if he throws a couple of picks, and that New England offense is looking really good lately. So I I don't see a scenario where the Colts win, and I don't think they're nearly as good as the Patriots are.
0: Yeah, I think the Patriots are more vulnerable than I thought they were after the way they played against Baltimore, but... As strange as it sounds, I don't trust Andrew Luck to play as carefully as Joe Flacco did.
1: No, Um, and I think Baltimore might have been the better team than than Indianapolis, too.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe Flacco played phenomenally. He threw four touchdown passes, and they lost. And, you know, Andrew Luck might not do that, and he'll probably throw a couple of picks in there, too. And then the one everybody who listens to this show cares about, the Packers on the road to Seattle. We gave our feelings about what we thought might happen. What do you think will happen?
1: I'm like... I've been contemplating this for the last 15 minutes because I came into the show thinking I was going to say Seattle for sure, and I think I'm still going to, but yeah. I I just feel like there's a way they can win a low-scoring game. I think this defense is for the Packers is good enough that they can shut down the Seattle offense and pull off a tight one, and for some reason I just don't see Seattle going to back-to-back Super Bowls. I think they're they're good enough, but... Man, I just, I just feel like with Aaron Rodgers, he's gonna have a chip on the shoulder to beat this team he has been able to beat. But I, I just can't pick against Seattle right now, especially now with our history against defensive teams like this. So, uh, sadly, I guess I'll say Seattle, I think it's gonna be like a 24-14 type of a deal.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna to have to agree with you, uh, partially because my, preseason Super Bowl pick is still intact so oh, just for right. my yep. own brain's
1: out now yeah. after Denver lost
0: so obviously I'm the winner no, I don't even <laughs> need to to tally up the, the You didn't picks.
1: even pick the Packers to be in the Super Bowl though
0: No I didn't <laughs> uh, obviously I hope I'm wrong but
1: yeah
0: like I said I think the Packers can do it but I can't think of a realistic scenario in which they do uh, barring something ridiculous like a key injury or just some crazy bounces Every time I've put my money on the Aaron Rodgers shoulder chip throughout his career, I've ended up being wrong.
1: It's always (laughs) a against San Francisco or Seattle or somebody like that. Usually San Francisco.
0: Yeah, and it never comes through. And I'm not going to do it again this time. I don't think it's going to happen, and the sensitive Packer fan in me doesn't want to believe it can happen because that's going to be a devastating feeling when they lose on Sunday, and it will be less devastating if I don't believe they're going to win. (laughs) And so maybe it's me trying to prepare myself for what's going to happen on Sunday. I am expecting a loss on Sunday and going into it hoping for something that is not a loss. Right. Uh. It would be as big of an upset as the 95 win over San Francisco, I think. Oh, I, I, I've i heard that brought up, that game. The divisional round? Yeah, and yep. I was trying all day to think of an upset bigger than that, but I can't think of one. They were... I can't either. So this would be historic, and if they won this game... It would be incredible. It would make the career of Rodgers, and a lot of these guys, not that their careers aren't already made, but it would put it to the next stratosphere. I mean, then if they beat Seattle in Seattle, then Rodgers leaves Favre in the dust from a legacy standpoint. And I just don't see it happening. I think there's too many things going against him. If he was healthy, it would be hard. That he's not healthy, it's nearly impossible in my eyes. Oh, man, but like we were talking about a little bit yesterday, and maybe we'll wrap the show up on the positive note, is that winning yesterday felt like validation for this team, that even if they lose in Seattle, they proved they were good, and that if the cards would have fallen right, or in an alternate universe where they're playing the 2014 season millions of times, that the Packers are one of the teams that it's going to win the Super Bowl in those... Yeah. And I feel like yesterday, we finally got over the hump. We're tired of talking about what's wrong with this team. There's nothing wrong with this team. They're good. The path they had to go through this year is just a little bit too hard, but this team is a championship level team, and they're going to be next year, and they're going to be the year after that. And I think that's what I'm going to take from this season, even if they get killed on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why that game yesterday felt so good, is because you finally got that feeling like, okay, they accomplished something good in the playoffs, which they haven't done in a few years. And kind of looking ahead, knowing we were going to have to play Seattle, it seemed like this game was kind of like the main event for us here. It's like, Mm -hmm. win this game and you're a good team. You lose and the sky is falling because McCarthy can't win in the playoffs and Rodgers can't win in the playoffs. And in this team, are they really that good?
0: And Lambeau Field sucks now and we should build a dome. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but you win it and you feel good about this and you feel good about the season. So I think that was obviously a huge win. And everything from here on out is just icing on the cake.
0: Let's end on that. There's uh, not much better way to uh, head into the NFC Championship game with some opt- optimism and a little bit of perspective as well. Real quick, final thing, who's going to win tonight in the National Championship game?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to pick Ohio State with the upset here. I, Oregon's got a lot of injuries and they got a suspension to their best receiver now, so I think they're just missing some pieces and Ohio State convinced me in their last two games against us and against Alabama that they could beat anybody, so I think Oregon's athletic and fast, but I think Ohio State's just going to overpower them.
0: Yeah, you make some good points. I forgot about, I can't remember his name, but the receiver from Oregon that got suspended, I forgot about that. Yeah, um,
1: Devin something, I forget his last name. Yeah, Devin, Harrington.
0: Okay, yeah, and so that's going to be tough. So they only sign Harringtons and Carringtons and all those yep, out there? that's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just feeling that, uh, is it, I feel like a total hack now that I can't remember any of their names, but what is the, uh, the, the quarterback? Something Jones for, for Ohio State? Carlisle? Oh, yeah. Cor- yeah. Cor- Cor- <laughs> Cardell. yeah. Cardell. Cardell. Um, if he would come in for his first three starts and kill the Badgers and then beat Alabama and then beat Oregon, to me that just sounds ridiculous. And I know he did two thirds of that already, but you'd think he's, he's in line for a stinker here. And, if he wins, that's going to put in some weird uh quarterback controversy for next year with J.T. Barrett coming back. But I guess I'm not trusting that he's going to play that well. And I think if or- Oregon can run away from him in a way Alabama can't, and if Ohio State starts as slow against Oregon tonight as they did against Alabama, yeah, I, don't, true. I don't think they can come back. Yeah, they're toast probably then. Yeah, so I'm going to take Oregon for those reasons. Real quick, before we wrapped up, I definitely want to encourage you guys to go onto the Facebook page and uh, interact with us there. Uh, we did have one comment today. Uh, asked everybody how they were feeling about the game, if they were excited, hopeful, or dreadful. And our great fan, Brian Dinsey, a good friend of mine, says he is amazed and happy to win the one game if that's all it is. We needed to get over that hump. And uh, we just talked about that a little bit there. So, uh, Brian, definitely agree with you 100% there, and thanks for interacting. If you'd like to interact, you can comment on the Facebook page. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. Actually me on Twitter At Green Gold Forever The number four I tweet quite a bit during the games Yesterday I have a ton of pictures and posts About my experience at Lambeau Including a shot of the Big Game Burger That uh, they were talking about uh, Earlier uh, in the week So if you want to take a look at that Go to our Twitter And lastly, uh, once again, since the Packers are moving on, another trip to KZ Radio for the Green and Gold Forever Preview. That'll air this Friday, and uh, that's 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities, 104.3 in Green Bay, and anywhere in the world with an Internet connection, at mykzradio.com, and you'll hear some of the best hits of the 80s and 90s. And uh, since we're playing Seattle, maybe they'll play a bunch of grunge this week. that would be fun. All right, so we're going into the final, I was going to say the final son of this season, but the final four of the NFL, and the Packers are still alive. And as awesome as the Packers have been the last 20-plus years, this is only the sixth time that they've been in the NFC Championship game. So even if the task seems insurmountable, Let's try to enjoy it for what it is and realize that very few Packer teams in the glorious history of this franchise have ever been so far, and uh, there's still a chance that some great things can happen. So for Matt and Wallace out in Altoona, I am Eric in Oshkosh, and it's NFC Championship Week. Go Pack. Take care, everyone.